we now come to the segment of our service where God speaks to us through the reading of his word and the teaching of his word. As we hear God's word read to us and taught to us, I encourage you to put away your phones and to pull out your Bibles instead and to grab your notebooks and lean in and listen carefully as God speaks to you today. To help us with the reading of God's word, Becky. Our reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. How do you remember things? What's your strategy? What's your technique for remembering really important things? Some of you have excellent memories, and somehow you're able to hold it all right here, somehow, some way, which is great for you. But for the rest of us, we need some prompts to help us to remember really important things. What's your technique? What's your strategy? Some of us uh, have apps. Some of us have whiteboards. Some of us have sticky notes or cards. We tie uh, a string around our fingers or we write on our hands. Uh, we do these things because we need to remember. Why? It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget important things. Sometimes we get distracted. Life is complex. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. Something comes up and it's like it knocks uh, what's important out of our memory bank. We forget. Now, in many cases, in most cases, it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, so what if you forget to pick up the milk? Or so what if you forget to return that email or that text uh, that wasn't urgent anyways? In most cases, it, it really doesn't matter if we forget certain things. But there are some things that we really cannot afford to forget. There are things where the stakes are way too high. We need to remember. We need to remember. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a, a vision series. And, and we are we're trying to remember who we are as the church. Who are we? What are we called to do? These are the things that we're thinking about because we, we want to be the church um, as the church was meant to be. So who are we and, and what are we called to be? That's what we're thinking about right now. Uh, 
And, you know, we're living in a day, we're living at a time when it is so easy to forget who we are and what we're called to do. I mean, it's easy to forget these things at the best of time. But, you know, when you consider the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and life has kind of shifted sideways and the ground has come out from under our feet and some of us have lost our bearing, it's really important that we answer the question, what does it mean to be the church in our time, in our day? We need to remember you know, that was the problem that um, the church that Peter is writing to was struggling with. They, they, they were tempted to forget who they were and what they were called to do. Uh, the, the pressure to just blend in and uh, to avoid pain and suffering was so intense. And so Peter is writing here to remind the church of who they are, what they're called to be, what they're called to do. In fact, in his other letter, that's what he's doing too. If you read through these letters, you hear him saying things like this. I'm writing to remind you. I'm writing to remind you. You know, a lot of the Christian life is, is not so much about learning new things as it is about remembering the things that we already know. And we're going to remember this morning two very important things about what it means to be the church. First, who we are. And secondly, what we're called to do. So, first, who we are. Who are we? Who is the church? Peter answers that question in verse 9, which is really as far as we're going this morning. There's a lot in chapter 2. We're going to zero in on verse 9. And he tells us in the opening words who we are. He begins this way. You are. Did you hear that? You are. Do you know what that is? That is the language of identity. Peter is telling us something about who we are. Actually, he's telling us many things about who we are. Did you notice that? He has jammed and crammed descriptions of who we are into this verse. It's, it's as though he, he knows the, the danger of, of having... Who we are, the, the, the truth about who we are, displaced about, uh, by things that just are not true about us. And so he's filling our minds with what is actually true about us. Hey, what's the quickest way to, or the easiest way to fill an, uh, an empty glass or to get rid of the air, let's say, in an empty glass? It is to fill it with water. And, and, and Peter is filling our minds with the truth of who we are this morning. He says, he says, you are a chosen people. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a, a people for God's own possession. Let's look at these in turn. First, we are a chosen people. We're a chosen people. This is who the church is. We are a people that God has chosen for himself. That's, what it, that's who we are. We're a people that God, before the foundation of the world, from all eternity, God looked at us and said, I am choosing you to be mine. Why would God do that? What, what would motivate God to choose the church to be his people? One thing's for sure, it's, it's nothing in us. It, it's not because we're just better, we're more moral, uh, because we're more talented, better looking. Th that, that's not why he chose us. 
I mean, when God chose his people Israel, it wasn't because they were more talented, because they were more numerous. In fact, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, that the reason why I chose you was not because you were more numerous. It's not because you were bigger than the nations around you. The nations around Israel, the, the, the Egyptian nation, the, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persian people, these, these were the big impressive empires of the world. Compared to these empires, Israel was a tiny little insignificant nation living by the sea. No, God says the reason why I chose you is not because you were more numerous than they were. It's, it's because I decided to set my love upon you. To set my love upon you. Why has God chosen the church to be his people? It's because he loves you. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. For he chose us in him, that's Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, he predestined you for adoption, for sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ. Over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, John says this, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Your value this morning, church, does not lie in what you do, what you have, what you've accomplished, what you have achieved, but in this, that God has chosen you in Christ You are a chosen people. And there's more. You're also a royal priesthood. Not just a chosen people, but a royal priesthood. What is that? I mean, that may not really connect with you this morning. You may be thinking to yourself, what's the big deal about being a royal priesthood? What's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. In the Old Testament, the priest had a very important job. And his job was to approach God on behalf of God's people and offer up sacrifices and pray for his people. And and nobody had the kind of direct and intimate access like the priest. When Jesus came, it all changed. When Jesus Christ, the great high priest, when he offered himself as the final sacrifice for sins, he opened the door. And made it so that every single believer can now approach God just the way the priest did. With direct access through Jesus Christ. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us approach God's throne of grace with boldness. With boldness, so that we might receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Here it is. Because in Christ we have been made into a royal priesthood, a a, a priesthood that serves a great king, 
That means that we can talk to God, pray to God anywhere at any time. That we can pray for people. We can pray on behalf of other people. And no other people on the face of this earth have that privilege. This is a privilege, an opportunity, and a responsibility that God has given to the church and to the church alone. This is God's game plan, his strategy for diffusing the light of his love around the world. He has called the church to be a royal priesthood and to offer up prayers on behalf of people that the world, that those around you might know the loving, the loving grace of Jesus Christ. That is awesome. But there's more because it says you are a holy nation. We're a holy nation. We're a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood, but we're also a holy nation. What does that mean? What does it mean to be holy? It means this. It means to be set apart. To be set apart in a very beautiful, unique, and special way. It means that the church is different. Did you know that? Did you know that this morning that you are different? And I mean different in the best way. You are different. You have been set aside by God for God. That is an awesome thing. You know, I asked my kids this week, uh, what is something that you have set aside for yourself that's really important to you? One of my kids said, money. I said, okay, choose another example. My running shoes. I, I put them in boxes in my closet and I make sure I keep them in good shape. And that gets closer to the idea. We are different. We have been set aside by God for himself as special. And that doesn't make us elitist. It doesn't make us into a private little club. No, no. This is the great thing. God says in his word, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine before men and women that they might see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. God wants to bring other people into his family and, and to make them a holy nation, just like the church, the church. But there's more here. There's more because it says you are a people for God's own possession. That's an excellent translation, an excellent translation. And what it's saying here is that God he looks at people, he looks at people, he looks at the church, and he says, mine. You are mine. You are my special possession. And God guards his church with jealousy. He will never let his church go. He will never let them fall away. He will hold on to them forever. A few weeks ago, I went fishing with my brother Andrew, and my brother Andrew gave me some things that belonged to my late brother, Mark. And one of them was, it was a, a cigarette holder. It was a, a sleeve, and you insert a cigarette later into it, a metal sleeve. And, uh, man, this was such a good thing for me to have. It used to belong to my grandpa, and then it belonged to my brother. And I cherished it, and I, I put it into my pocket right with my cell phone, and I went fishing in my kayak, and within 30 minutes, it all fell into the lake, and it was gone. 
And the, the phone I didn't care about. Who cares? They're replaceable. But this cigarette lighter sleeve was irreplaceable. And I couldn't hold on to it. That is not the way it is with God. God guards the church with jealousy. He will never let you go. He will always hold you in his hands. You are a people that belongs to him. You are his possession. This is who you are. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. This is who we are. You know, it's so easy to forget these things, isn't it? But we can't afford to forget them. We need to remind ourselves of these things. Because when we remember who we are, it has a radical impact on the way that we actually live. I mean, think about the people in your life who have thought very little of you. And how were you tempted to, to, to behave? Uh, if you were like me, you probably acted out. But it was the people who thought highly of us that really changed the way that we live. Now, here's this. God thinks so highly of you in Jesus Christ. He couldn't think more highly of you in His Son. And doesn't that change everything? Everything? I mean, shouldn't this impact the way that we live? Yeah, so let's look at that right now. Because not only does He tell us who we are as the church, but He calls us here now to what we're supposed to do. And this is amazing. Check this out. Peter is going to answer one of the greatest questions that we human beings ask. And that is, what's it all for? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? You know, a lot of people have a very difficult time answering that question. A lot of people really struggle to understand what their, their purpose is in life. And even if they can, even if we can get our, our, hand, our finger on it, sometimes we just don't think very deeply about why we are here, why we're called to do what we're called to do. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to listen to this because Peter's going to describe what it means to be a Christian and how we're called to live. And it's exhilarating because he goes on to say this, so that you might. You know what that is? That is the language of purpose. You are is the language of identity. But so that you might is the language of purpose. And now Peter's going to tell us what we are called to do. And what is that? It is to proclaim the excellencies of the one who's that Jesus who called you out of darkness and into his glorious kingdom of light. That, my friends, is what we are called to do. We are called to proclaim His excellencies. And I think that what that means is we are called to, to talk about, to, to transmit, to broadcast, to dramatize God's saving grace to the world through Jesus Christ. Our lives should have that aroma about it. Our words, our actions, our lives should communicate the excellencies 
of Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is what we are called to do. That truth, that reality ties everything together. Everything that you do, every moment, every waking moment of your life, your work, your calling, your sleeping, your eating, your friendships, everything, it ties everything together and it infuses it with amazing purpose. We are called as the church to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Awesome. But how do we do this? How do we do this? I mean, how do we do this in a pandemic? How do we do this when it's not easy to be around other people? How do we do this when we just we can't be in contact with other people the way that we were supposed we used to be how do we do this how can we be close enough to people where we can be proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into the kingdom of light how here's what i want to challenge you with this past week you uh, got an email attached to that email was a video and that video described uh, a vision, a vision for small groups. This coming year and in 2021, we are hoping to do small groups, but do them differently. We're hoping that in these small groups, comprised of a few men or a few women in very uh, distinct neighborhoods, let's say, that in these communities, that you are going to walk together, together, towards Christ and towards your neighbor. In other words, you are going to grow in your walk with God, with one another, and with people who don't now know the grace of Jesus Christ. In other words, to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into the kingdom of light. And my hope and my prayer for us this year is this, that as we commit to these groups, as we commit to one another in these groups, that in a year's time, we're going to say, I've grown. I have grown in my ability to proclaim His excellencies. And I proclaimed them, and I heard them proclaimed to me. And it just, it just, it just caught me up. And it just, it, it just filled my heart with, with joy and passion and excitement for who Jesus Christ is and who he could be for others and my neighbor. Does this make sense? This is a difficult time. And it's hard to be together. But I want to challenge you, Grace West Church, to be together and to commit yourself to living life together with other believers as we walk towards Christ and as we walk towards our neighbor as well. I don't believe that COVID gets the last word. I don't believe that COVID has the power to tell us not to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his kingdom of light. I think we have to be creative. I think we have to be innovative. I think we have to think outside of the box. And I'm just, I'm challenging you to get into a small group this year and the next 
for an entire year and walk side by side with your brother or with your sister. Because, listen, you are the church. This is who you are. And, and what you are is awesome. And what you are called to do is amazing. You're the church. Remember that. Remember that and don't ever forget it. Amen.